英語聞き流し10分間、名作リスニング、英語テキストと MP3 ダウンロード、その他の物語は、ホームページよりご利用いただけます。88thpp.com。88thpp.com。That night was a dreadful one for the poor sick woman. She suffered atrocious pain. Which wrung from her shrieks that were enough to burst her veins, and rendered her delirious at times. The women waited on her. She lost her head. Her mistress ran in, from time to time, in a fright. All began to fear that, even if she had decided to allow herself to be operated on, the doctor, who was not to come until the next day, would have arrived too late. During the moments when she was not raving, however, it was evident that her most terrible torture arose not from her bodily pains, but from the thought of her distant family. Emaciated, Wasted away, with changed visage, she thrust her hands through her hair, with a gesture of desperation, and shrieked. My God! My God! To die so far away, to die without seeing them again! My poor children, who will be left without a mother, my poor little creatures, my poor darlings! My Marco, who is still so small! Only as tall as this and so good and affectionate! You do not know what a boy he was! If you only knew, Senora! I could not detach him from my neck when I set out. He sobbed in a way to move your pity, he sobbed, it seemed as though he knew that he would never behold his poor mother again. Poor Marco, my poor baby. I thought that my heart would break. Ah, if I had only died then, died while they were bidding me farewell. If I had but dropped dead. Without a mother, my poor child, he who loved me so dearly, who needed me so much. Without a mother, in misery, he will be forced to beg. He, Marco, my Marco, will stretch out his hand, famishing. Oh, eternal God! No. I will not die. The doctor. Call him at once I let him come, let him cut me, let him cleave my breast, let him drive me mad, but let him save my life. I want to recover, I want to live, to depart, to flee, tomorrow, at once. The doctor. Help. Help. And the women seized her hands and soothed her, and made her calm herself little by little, and spoke to her of God and of hope. And then she fell back again into a mortal dejection, Whipped with her hands clutched in her grey hair, moaned like an infant, uttering a prolonged lament, and murmuring from time to time. Oh my Genoa! My house! All that sea! Oh my Marco, my poor Marco! Where is he now, my poor darling? It was midnight, and her poor Marco, after having passed many hours on the brink of a ditch, his strength exhausted, was then walking through a forest of gigantic trees, monsters of vegetation, huge poles like the pillars of a cathedral, which interlace their enormous crests, Silvered by the moon, at a wonderful height. Vaguely, amid the half gloom, he caught glimpses of myriads of trunks of all forms, upright, inclined, contorted, crossed in strange postures of menace and of conflict, some overthrown on the earth, like towers which had fallen bodily, and covered with a dense and confused mass of vegetation, which seemed like a furious throng, disputing the ground span by span, others collected in great groups, vertical and serrated, like trophies of titanic lances, whose tips touched the clouds. A superb grandeur, a prodigious disorder of colossal forms, the most majestically terrible spectacle which vegetable nature ever presented. At times he was overwhelmed by a great stupor. But his mind instantly took flight again towards his mother. He was worn out, with bleeding feet, alone in the middle of this formidable forest, where it was only at long intervals that he saw tiny human habitations, which at the foot of these trees seemed like the anthills, or some buffalo asleep beside the road. He was exhausted, but he was not conscious of his exhaustion. He was alone, and he felt no fear. The grandeur of the forest rendered his soul grand, 
his nearness to his mother gave him the strength and the hardihood of a man, the memory of the ocean, of the alarms and the sufferings which he had undergone and vanquished, of the toil which he had endured, of the iron constancy which he had displayed, caused him to uplift his brow. All his strong and noble Genoese blood flowed back to his heart in an ardent tide of joy and audacity. And a new thing took place within him, while he had, up to this time, borne in his mind an image of his mother, dimmed and paled somewhat by the two years of absence, at that moment the image grew clear, he again beheld her face, perfect and distinct, as he had not beheld it for a long time, he beheld it close to him, illuminated, speaking, he again beheld the most fleeting motions of her eyes, and of her lips, all her attitudes, all the shades of her thoughts, and urged on by these pursuing recollections, he hastened his steps, and a new affection, an unspeakable tenderness, grew in him, grew in his heart, making sweet and quiet tears to flow down his face, and as he advanced through the gloom he spoke to her, he said to her the words which he would murmur in her ear in a little while more. I am here, my mother, behold me here. I will never leave you again, we will return home together, and I will remain always beside you on board the ship, close beside you, and no one shall ever part me from you again, no one, never more, so long as I have life. And in the meantime he did not observe how the silvery light of the moon was dying away on the summits of the gigantic trees in the delicate whiteness of the dawn. At eight o'clock on that morning, the doctor from Tucumán, a young Argentine, was already by the bedside of the sick woman, in company with an assistant, endeavouring, for the last time, to persuade her to permit herself to be operated on, and the engineer Mequines and his wife added their warmest persuasions to those of the former. But all was in vain. The woman, feeling her strength exhausted, had no longer any faith in the operation, she was perfectly certain that she should die under it, or that she should only survive it a few hours, after having suffered in vain pains that were more atrocious than those of which she should die in any case. The doctor lingered to tell her once more. But the operation is a safe one, your safety is certain, provided you exercise a little courage. And your death is equally certain if you refuse. It was a sheer waste of words. No, she replied in a faint voice, I still have courage to die, but I no longer have any to suffer uselessly. Leave me to die in peace. The doctor desisted in discouragement. No one said anything more. Then the woman turned her face towards her mistress, and addressed to her her last prayers in a dying voice. Dear, good signora, she said with a great effort, sobbing, you will send this little money and my poor effects to my family, through the consul. I hope that they may all be alive. My heart presages well in these, my last moments. You will do me the favour to write, that I have always thought of them, that I have always toiled for them, for my children, that my sole grief was not to see them once more but that I died courageously, with resignation, blessing them, and that I recommend to my husband, and to my elder son, the youngest, my poor Marco, that I bore him in my heart until the last moment, and suddenly she became excited, and shrieked, as she clasped her hands, my Marco, my baby, my baby, my life, but on casting her tearful eyes round her, she perceived that her mistress was no longer there, she had been secretly called away. She sought her master, he had disappeared. No one remained with her except the two nurses and the assistant. She heard in the adjoining room the sound of hurried footsteps, a murmur of hasty and subdued voices, and repressed exclamations. The sick woman fixed her glazing eyes on the door, in expectation. At the end of a few minutes she saw the doctor appear with an unusual expression on his face, then her mistress and master, with their countenances also altered. All three gazed at her with a singular expression, and exchanged a few words in a low tone. She fancied that the doctor said to her mistress, better let it be at once. She did not understand. Josefa, said her mistress to the sick woman, in a trembling voice, I have some good news for you. Prepare your heart for good news. 
the woman observed her intently. News, pursued the lady, with increasing agitation, which will give you great joy. The sick woman's eyes dilated. Prepare yourself, continued her mistress, to see a person, of whom you are very fond. The woman raised her head with a vigorous movement, and began to gaze in rapid succession, first at the lady and then at the door, with flashing eyes. A person, added the lady, turning pale, who has just arrived, unexpectedly. Who is it? shrieked the woman, with a strange and choked voice, like that of a person in terror. An instant later she gave vent to a shrill scream, sprang into a sitting posture in her bed, and remained motionless, with starting eyes, and her hands pressed to her temples, as in the presence of a supernatural apparition. Marco, tattered and dusty, stood there on the threshold, held back by the doctor's hand on one arm. The woman uttered three shrieks, God! God! My God! Marco rushed forward, she stretched out to him her fleshless arms, and straining him to her heart with the strength of a tiger, she burst into a violent laugh, broken by deep, tearless sobs, which caused her to fall back suffocating on her pillow. But she speedily recovered herself, and mad with joy she shrieked as she covered his head with kisses, How do you come here? Why? Is it you? How you have grown? Who brought you? Are you alone? You are not ill? It is you, Marco. It is not a dream. My God! Speak to me. Then she suddenly changed her tone, No. Be silent. Wait. And turning to the doctor, she said with precipitation, Quick, doctor. This instant. I want to get well. I am ready. Do not lose a moment. Take Marco away, so that he may not hear. Marco, my love, it is nothing. I will tell you about it. One more kiss. Go. Here I am, doctor. Marco was taken away. The master, mistress, and women retired in haste, the surgeon and his assistant remained behind, and closed the door. Signor Mequines attempted to lead Marco to a distant room, but it was impossible, he seemed rooted to the pavement. What is it? He asked. What is the matter with my mother? What are they doing to her? And then Mequines said softly, still trying to draw him away, here. Listen to me. I will tell you now. Your mother is ill, she must undergo a little operation, I will explain it all to you, come with me. No, replied the lad, resisting, I want to stay here. Explain it to me here. The engineer heaped words on words, as he drew him away, the boy began to grow terrified and to tremble. Suddenly an acute cry, like that of one wounded to the death, rang through the whole house. The boy responded with another desperate shriek, My mother is dead. The doctor appeared on the threshold and said, Your mother is saved. The boy gazed at him for a moment, and then flung himself at his feet, sobbing, Thanks, doctor. But the doctor raised him with a gesture, saying, Rise. It is you, you heroic child, who have saved your mother. Ego聞き流し10分間名作リスニング英語テキストと MP3ダウンロードその他の物語はホームページよりご利用いただけます。88thpp.com88thpp.com